Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual, Talking with Shadows, the conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Waitley. And an incredibly frustrated Marcus D. However, it's not because of our guests, because we have some fantastic guests for you guys today. Joining us in the studio today, our guests tonight are Eric and Jessica Carrier, hosts of the Prairie Land Paranormal Podcast. Living in the Midwest, they have experienced much of what the Prairie Lands have to offer, including the paranormal. With a fascination for all things weird and strange, they're excited to share some of their own experiences, some of your experiences, and some of the interesting folklore, myths, legends, and haunted places prevalent throughout the Midwest, all while broadcasting from a creepy cornfield in central Illinois. Thank you guys for so much for coming on to our podcast today. Thank you so much. Thanks. You're welcome. Such welcome. a great Thank you very much. I also just can't believe I said the phrase, said Illinois. I just, I am from the Midwest and I said Illinois. Like, I can't, I mispronounced Illinois instead of saying Illinois. Okay, I got to ask the question that I'm sure all the listeners are wondering right now. How creepy is the cornfield? Very creepy. Especially this time of year when everything has been partially mowed over. It's not vibrant and green or even dead looking. It's just partially up and down and muddy. <laughs> Does any creepy things happen in this said cornfield? We've actually not experienced anything truly creepy from our cornfield other than coyotes or and other things possums like possums and things possums. like that. Yeah. Weird creatures, but nothing, uh, nothing paranormal. Wait, we had a weird, possum. weird creatures. How weird are we talking? Chupacabra, jackalope. <laughs> you no. know, I kind of wish that's, that's kind of <laughs> weird, but I kind of wish I had something like that. I would love to see a Sasquatch in my backyard, but uh, that has not happened yet. Corn Squatch. Vic, why are you acting like we don't have cornfields in Indiana? Hey, we have cornfields in Indiana. We've got tons of them. Although there is more than cornfields in Indiana, but if they have a creepy cornfield, I want to investigate it. I've always wanted to investigate a haunted cornfield. No one's going to believe that you're from, like, the country of Indiana with you just asking about just the fast being fascinated by cornfields from Ma- Illinois. Marcus, what are you not getting about potential? Haunted cornfields. I w- I've always wanted to investigate a haunted cornfield. We have haunted cornfields of point, our own. Point to one. There I've are looked whole for movies written about that kind of stuff. Thank you. And I do Thank love you, Children Eric. of the Corn, but I would love to investigate one of these. If you, you find one, I'm there. Yeah. Well, we oh. have children, so does that make them Children of the Corn? Yes. Objectively, yes. Yes. Although I would probably have to say, just for state's honor, I would say our cornfields are creepier. Yes, but I'm, so always, I'm only, but I'm only staying at saying that out of state pride. I have no objective proof. Proof for that at all. Think about it. Think about all the people that have possibly died and been buried. There could be people who are died and buried in our cornfield somewhere, you know. Well, I guarantee. Oh, I'm sure there's potter's fields out there. I guarantee. I want. Well, I used to be really into this show called Amish Mafia, and the whole time I'm watching that show, just wondering if there's going to be. They're going to talk about somebody being buried in a cornfield, and it never happened. And I was so disappointed. (laughs) I loved that show. I did. I don't know why I loved it, but I did. It's Amish and the and organized crime. Like what? It's like <laughs> people are just fascinated by both. Of, like it's it's Amish and true crime just merged into one. Like you just it's a it's a weird just mixture of just all things awesome. And we live in Amish territory, really. Like we're really there's a lot of Amish people where we live, 
And sometimes I'll see the buggies going by and I'm thinking, hmm. We, <laughs> we don't, have, yeah, we don't have those in Evansville. We have the restaurants and their furniture stores here yep. nearby, but they, but they, they still live still outside of town, like not actually like in Evansville. I saw some Amish folk just when I was driving down the street a few days ago. I saw some at the King and Country concert that was here in Evansville that, that me and my wife yeah. went to. Mine were coming out of a Hardee's. Less mm. interesting. But it was kind of weird to watch, like, because <laughs> King and Country's are pretty, like, I mean, they rock, and they use a lot of drums and watching just Amish people just doing, like, a mosh pit thing going. It was real cool to watch. Like, it was just fascinating just to see. But, yeah. But thank you guys so much for coming onto our podcast today. We had such a fun time going on your guys' podcast. Oh, yeah. It was a blast. Yes. Yes. Back, yes. Back in so August. Good. It was cool. We got to talk about the oil pit squid, one of Indiana's famous cryptids, static people, one of our favorite entities to talk about. And I'm like, we were, we were gearing up for October, and... You know, our patrons decided that we were going to do, um, that we were going to talk about missing 411. And I was like, we have to have somebody really cool to come in. And that was, we were like, Prairieland Paranormal podcast <laughs> oh, yeah, would be the, the people that we want to come on and talk about this with us. So we super appreciate you guys doing that. I don't know if we're really cool, but we are happy to be here. Dude, we realized how much that <laughs> we, like, we, like, we realized that like, like me, Vic and, and, and Jessica worked at the same place, like worked at like the same psych hospital for yep. a little while. So like, we just realized like just how connected our two podcasts actually were. <laughs> we had just no idea until we were talking at, like, at, at the yeah. beginning of your of our episode with you. I, I, a couple questions that I want to ask, cause I want people to get to know you guys. How did you guys get started doing like a paranormal podcast? Like, what were you investigators before? Did you guys just jump right into doing this? Tell tell our listeners a little bit about how you guys started. We kind of jumped right into it uh, about eighteen months ago when COVID was just getting started. We found ourselves with a lot of extra free time on our hands, and Jessica and I have both always really enjoyed the paranormal, but we've always really enjoyed the side of it that's more folklore or more history or more stories. We liked the local aspect of it. Now we live near Decatur, Illinois. So Decatur is uh, got a lot of different types of paranormal hotspots in it. So we started noticing that we could do stories about these types of things, things uh, that were common in the Midwest, and we could probably generate a show after that. So we decided we were going to start a podcast. We wanted to for a while. I mean, we had been listening to different podcasts, you know, cryptids and ghosts, and we just loved that kind of stuff. And we thought, well, why not just have our own podcast where we can talk about it? Great attitude. Absolutely fantastic. We're not investigators. We don't go out and we don't do ghost hunting. We don't do anything like that. Not on purpose. (laughs) Just accidentally. (laughs) I would label ourselves as folklorists. We, We like the story. We like the history. And we like to take a scientific approach to these things and see if we can explain them. And if we can't explain them, we want to give you a good story while we're doing yeah. it. We, we, we took a very a similar route when we first started. Like all of our earliest episodes on our YouTube channel before the podcast was super like folklore focused from, from Vic and then like trying to scientifically rationalize it away by me so we, we we definitely relate to that that and we also we, for a while we actually also try like focus so heavily on like the midwest we had a whole oh, segment yeah. of our candlelight strolls yeah that we did where we just talked about the midwest because like you guys are talking oh, there's so much cool sh- stuff i almost swore there there's so much <laughs> cool stuff because it's true because there's so much cool paranormal stuff 
in the heartland. So seeing a podcast that highlights that was really cool for us. Yeah, it's uh, it's been fun. We have really enjoyed it. We've got uh, 39, I think, main episodes out now, and we've got uh, several what we call terabytes out, which are just basically scary short stories that we do. We try to do all of this with a little bit of a flair. Uh, we like dramatic uh, type storytelling. So, you know, we, we are all about telling stories in a interesting and in a fun way. I know you said that you were into the paranormal already. Have either of you guys had a paranormal experience? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Had lots of paranormal experiences. And, and I think that's why we were interested in it is because mm. we had questions. We had experiences that we couldn't really, uh, we didn't really know what was going on in some of those situations. And we, uh, we wanted answers and, uh, the way to get answers was to start doing some research. And so we started researching and trying to figure out some of our own questions as we've gone through this journey. So do you guys have a really cool one you could share with us? Mm-hmm. Well, you want to talk about our, our, our visitor and our, our room? Yeah, we can talk <laughs> about our room visitor. That's probably the best one that we've got. This one actually took place right here in our current home. And it was probably about four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Three or four, maybe five years ago, I guess. Yeah. We were, uh, we'd both gone to sleep and, uh, just, uh, you know, I sleep on the right side of the bed. Jessica sleeps on the left side of the bed. And, uh, I had rolled over to my right side and she had been asleep already. And it was close to midnight because I remember looking at the clock after this happened. And I was just like, man, what just happened? This was crazy. (laughs) Craziest thing we've ever experienced. Anyway, I'm laying on my right side and all of a sudden I hear Jessica screaming and I'm like, well, she's having a bad dream or something, you know? So I'm rolling over to try to wake her up. And when I roll over, there's literally a person standing next to our bed. I'd say, I thought it was our son at first because our son's really tall. And this was a tall person, you know, probably actually taller than our son, but it, I thought, you know, it was our son at first, but then I realized it wasn't. Yeah, it was definitely not our son. It uh, was a man and he was standing right next to our bed. And I instantly knew why she was screaming and he was physical enough that I thought it was an intruder and I thought I was going to have to fight this guy off. It, uh, I thought that there was someone literally in our room and I did the only thing I could think of in the moment, which is kind of silly at that time, but I gave it my best karate kick. I was like, you know, I was like, ah, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm I, lo- I love this. <laughs> and, uh, nothing. And it's still there. And at this, at this point, I mean, Jessica and I are both just kind of going like you didn't crazy. connect or it went through them. It, it didn't, it, nothing connected. You know, I don't know if it was just a bad kick or if it, uh, if it went through them. But uh, at this point in time, Jessica and I are literally, we're both just yelling, you know, it's like, we're, we're, we're thinking we're fighting for our lives at this moment. What do you look like? It was a man. Very, very tall. It was tall. Uh, he was, uh, he was bearded. Mm-hmm. He was uh, standing next to our, our uh, kind of the foot area of our bed, uh, but closest had... to Jessica's side. About... By any chance, was he wearing flannel? He was not. No, no, he was actually kind of cloaked in a robe. I would or call something. it a tunic. Yeah, I would yeah. call it kind of a tunic. Um, I don't know. Are you guys familiar with Jewish Jewish vestments, like the the clothing that they wore? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Temple of Solomon and stuff like that. It, he he looked like he was wearing different layers of robes and things like that. 
and they were all dark colored. They were kind of grayish or black. There, there wasn't any color to him. As far as like luminosity, it looked like he, there was, there was no more than like, it was just enough to see him. There wasn't enough to really, you know, illuminate any of his features at all. Okay. I, I got, I got two things I want to throw back at you. Sure. Okay. One, um, this was, I don't know, five, six years ago, maybe a little more. Uh, one of the people who used to be a member of the One Candle Society, Adam Mathers, had a really strange experience where he called me up one day. He was working as, I believe, a therapist at the time, and he came home, was super tired, decided to take a nap during the day, and part of the way through the nap, he gets this very strange feeling, and he wakes up. And he looks up, and at the foot of his bed is this guy just standing there. And keep in mind, his day, there's light coming through the windows and stuff, so he gets a really clear look at him. Guy's wearing a nice suit. The guy's slender, tall, uh, blonde hair, short. And just with this um, this black tie on and just sitting there grinning at him. Adam goes to jump out of bed but suddenly realizes he can't really move. And just his vision goes blurry and he goes right back down. Whoa. He wakes up a few hours later, gives me a call. And I come like just hightailing <laughs> it over there. And we, we, we do a search of his house for any way people could get in and we talk about it. And it was just a very strange Sorry, Karen, that just reminded me a lot of, okay. of your guys's. So what happened after you tried to kick, like tried to like cry kick him? Well, I did the next second best thing that I could think of, which was try to cry to kick him again. I really thought you were about to say you were going to pull him again. <laughs> That's your answer for best, everything. This time with my best karate yell. And uh, at that process, I woke up most of my kids. I mean, most of our kids were in our room in just a matter of moments after that because they thought we were dying in here, I think. Well, we... But I jumped up and I was able to turn the light on because I wanted to see what we were fighting. And there was nothing in the room once I turned the light on. It was completely, completely gone. Well, we also said, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. you need Which to leave. Usually and seems to work in these bedroom yeah. invader situations. Yeah. Was this yeah. before or after you started the podcast? Just my curiosity. This is before. This is before. Yeah. See, okay. I've actually had experiences like this, like my whole life. And... So to me, it was like, oh yeah, another demon attack or whatever. We don't know what it was. It may not have been a demon. I don't know what it was, but you know, I kind of was like, okay, let's go back to bed. Eric was up the whole night. <laughs> he was, it was, I was just happy because I was vindicated that he saw what I saw. I wasn't the only one seeing this thing. And, you know, and our kids of course were kind of freaked out because they came up into our room. They're like, what's going on? We're like, oh, really? it's hard to explain to your kids, you know, why we just woke them up yeah. by screaming and yelling in our bedroom. Yeah. It was it's like, I feel like you're like, uh, God, what was it? I feel like you're like, Her- oh, God, who was it? that uh, Was it Harrison Ford then, where he's like, it wasn't me. It was a one-armed man or whatever. I, oh yeah, it was Harrison Ford. He's like, that movie was like, so what happens? Like, was it, it's like, it wasn't us. It was the bearded man in the tunic. <laughs> Yes, I all I did was look at our kids and I was like, bad dream, go back to bed. <laughs> have you guys ever read any of Kiel's work, John Kiel? No, mm-hmm. I have not. If you ever get a chance to, I want to say it's in his book, um, Strange Creatures from Out of Time and Space. Mm-hmm. And he has a whole chapter on just these strange bedroom invaders. Because hmm. mm-hmm. it's weird. A lot of them, like, you'll see different descriptions just throughout time, but a lot of the mannerisms of the people like of the people involved tend to be the same where they'll be in their 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 bed they wake up there's this weird bedroom invader he looks a certain way then you know something tends to happen you know they rebuke him with religion they karate chop him punch him or whatever or then he just or then he like or like or they go under their coverage or something like with that you know or turn the light on and they go away it's very creepy stuff 
There is yeah. a power in the blanket. Jessica and I have talked about this before in the past where we don't fully understand the, the mystery or the power of the blanket, but covering your head up for some reason really does seem to make these things go away. Yeah, they can't, they <laughs> yeah. can't get you under wool. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure that's true. <laughs> if, if I'm going to throw out a theory on that, I really think it's these things are here to try to get at that negative emotion that you're putting out. Maybe they're feeding out of it. Maybe they just get joy out of it. And when we cover up, that restores our sense of security to a degree. Mm-hmm. That's why Fruit of Loom underwear, like 100% cotton, like right right there. I think that's Are you trying to keep joke or ghosts from your junk? Because uh, trust me, they don't want it. That just protects you. I'm just saying. A lot of stuff happens when you're in bed. I'm not telling people like like what they wear to bed. I'm just saying it might protect you one day. Well, I think there's also strength in faith. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100% agree with that. It's just like you're, maybe it's that you're not as scared. Maybe it's that you're, you're pulling on powers that are greater than yours. But mm-hmm. There seems to be a strength in faith. Well, one of the really odd things with that is uh, it also apparently works on greys because there's a ton of encounters where someone's encounters a grey in the room at night, starts praying, and the little buggers go away. Yeah, it just, I've heard that. Yeah, I've it just seems to work. I'm telling, I'm telling you now. Like, I if you really look at a lot of the a lot of the old uh, grey encounters <laughs> and stuff, like people get abducted, I, they're like on the east coast. You come into the heartland, man. We're Team Jesus. <laughs> like, it starts to go down. <laughs> They're like, oh man, these guys are weird. <laughs> like, karate, karate did not work, but faith did. Yeah. I will say that. Yes. Like, man, they got their lowercase T's and their and this guy <laughs> Jesus. I don't know what's gonna happen. He might hit me with this or something. They just leave. It's it works, man. I'm telling you, it does. Yeah, but I, I super appreciate. I super appreciate you guys sharing that story with us. I I I always really love comparing paranormal stories uh, uh, with other experiencers and stuff that's happened to them. You know. I would also warn you guys if you guys have, if you're only 39 episodes in, uh, take it from me and Vic. Sometimes you start seeing a lot more paranormal experiences after you start doing this. Oh yeah, <laughs> so. when, when you poke, things start poking back. Yeah, so just FYI, just just. That's be, what I was just wondering with this fairy stuff. Are we gonna start seeing some fairies now that okay. we? Well, that we start talking about. Hundred percent. What one of my kids. Okay. Whenever I go out in the woods and I know I'm going to be like in an area where I think that it might be dangerous. I carry a little baggie of freshly shined coins just in case, like, I get pixie lead and I don't know where I am. I can throw them in a little fox den. And Mm -hmm. Ellie will often um, take, like, a red bell and make me take it with me. Which was hilarious when we went to Mammoth Cave with another (laughs) friend of ours and our friends walking around with a little bell. (laughs) Just like, it's just a case, like, he just gets lost and just wanders away. To El- ring this like an alarm bell. Ellie is very, in danger. Ellie's very afraid of me being stolen by fairies, so she she makes me take precautions. <laughs> well, I was reading this this story actually today, and I had never heard this before. This young girl was like taken by fairies and like led away, and her grandfather. She remembered something her grandfather said about if you're taken by fairies, take your jacket off and turn it inside out and put it back on. And so she did that, and she was brought right back to her home. And I'm like thinking, what? <laughs> Maybe that's the. There's there's a few stories like that involving the fairies yeah. where if you do something backwards or put something on backwards, it'll confuse them and it can get you out of being pixie led. Because like if you're pixie led and you're lost in an area where you shouldn't be, one of the things people say is just take off all your clothes, turn them inside out. You know, I I, I often wonder too, because we're talking a lot in, in this month, because we're talking this month about missing 411, you know, with people going missing in, in state parks and that. And there's a lot of people, more people than people would admit, by the way, that strongly believe 
uh, in fairies and possibly some of their involvement with people going missing. Well, there's so many similarities well, between the missing 411 case yeah. and stories of traditional fairy disappearances. Yeah. And But you were talking about turning your jacket inside out. But one of the things that David Pilates talked about was he said it was really weird that people would often go missing that wore the, what was it, the color red? Yes, and that's yeah. also true in Chinese fairy tales yeah. that certain, I think it's yellow there, but certain... Yeah. Um, Colors will cause you to be yeah. like stolen away by the pixies. So I, I wonder if the reason why you turn it inside out is to is to not confuse them, but it changes the color. Color because the because yeah, on the inside it might be different. I wonder if that's how they got started. I'm just curious. Yeah, I don't understand that. It didn't make much sense to me, but it was interesting. I don't. Well, you also see stories like that because some of the more dangerous fairies can mm-hmm. be uh, turned away by reciting certain prayers, but backwards. And I've heard it like I've heard some authors kind of throw out this theory that like in their world, sound comes out backwards. It didn't make much sense to me, but it was at least a theory offered up. Well, a lot of people like or, you know, they say that like the red is a scary color, like, you know, the red caps that represents blood and things like that. And I don't know, um, saying things backward. So don't wear red and speak backwards. I don't know. Scott, Scottish sounds backwards to me anyway. <laughs> one of uh, one of the explanations for the red color, I was reading a book on fairies a few months ago for the channel. I don't remember why, but uh, one of the explanations for the red is that um, fairies don't have blood and they're very kind of put off by the idea of blood and it's something that can ward them off. Which is really weird, especially if you go into national parks one of the safety tips is you're supposed to wear bright colors oh, like red or orange screw or orange yellow. i'm not wearing orange i hate or, orange. Uh, worst he color does. ever he he's very he knows he's very upset by the color orange i do not like orange i do not like orange things i am done with it not like pumpkins orange makes me look hate like halloween just because oh, i love halloween i just don't like orange that's a lot for somebody who dislikes the color orange by the way <laughs> just saying <laughs> I'm having but, another beer. Well, that, well, I mean, you, you think about that. Like, you want, like when, when we're talking about Missing 401 and you wonder what people are going into the woods and if there really is this thing to, like, the colors that people are wearing, I wonder if that's what, what's causing some of the people that seem to be going, going missing in the national park system, if that's the reason why. I'm trying to figure out why I was never abducted in the national park system because I love to go out and just explore. And even as a kid... I would go out and look for like gnome houses and things like that. And just, mm-hmm. yeah, that's an awesome thing to do. It is. And I would just do that by myself. When I was a teenager, I'd go hiking all by myself and, you know, it freak the adults out. And I'd be like, what, what, there's nothing wrong. And now I'm wondering, you know, how come I didn't get abducted, I guess. Well, fairy legend and fairy lore says that they prefer boys. So that would be one reason why you would not have been abducted is you're not a boy. Well, that could be. And I like how Vic over here is trying to say like, oh, that's really cool. Even though we saw like a badger hole and he like lost, like flipped his wig, like trying to make sure. I did not flip my wig. He did. He got very concerned, even though we stumbled upon some sort of domicile. And he's like, and he's like, oh, cool. Let me, let me lay out what, let me lay out what happened here. We're driving through the woods near a paranormal area. In a national park. In a national park. Um, Our buddy Ricky Bruckneman, who's there with us on the investigation, goes, what's that? It looks like an altar. So we pull over, and in the middle of the woods, we go out a little bit, and there is a stone altar with freshly laid flowers on it. And they weren't wilted at all. They had to have been within a fairly short period of time because it was a hot part of the year. Hand to God this happened, by the way. I was there. (laughs) Yeah. 
So we basically start fanning out to um, see if there's anything else in the area. And at this point, I realized that Vic is still wearing his emergency bell. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so I'm with him for safety. <laughs> so we, we spread out and we start surveying the area. And next thing I see is this great big old mound with a den in it. And I'm like, okay, altar of stone with fresh flowers on it. And there's a mound with a den in it. I'm like, I'm not going to push fate here because these are all fairy signs. And I'm like, probably best we conclude our investigation quickly and get out of here. Beyond that, I possess like all the traits for disappearing in a national park. Like I'm of German heritage. I am autistic. He had a red bell. <laughs> well, that's why he had, a, he had a red bell. He, he had the color red on him. That's why Ellie gets worried that I'm going to get stolen or something because I possess like so many of the hallmarks of the people who get taken. I'm with you, man. I would have left even before just seeing the altar. I think that would have creeped me out just enough. Right Dude, there. it was it was very weird. It was very bizarre because we like. I mean, we we were a Mammoth Cave National. We were Mammoth Cave National Forest, and we were driving from the church from our investigation there. And so we're not like on some easily found trail. This is just just pavement. We're just driving really fast, and there's nothing nearby. There's no cell service anywhere. And these are not trails. This is just there. Like you just, I mean, nobody casually would be walking down there when we saw that. And then we get out and this freshly cut flower is just laying on this stone pillar thing. I got photos of it, man. I'll put it for this because we're talking about this episode, man. I'll put it below, man. Because, I mean, it looked fresh too. Because, I mean, if you cut like a flower, it looks like it's going to die. Well, it looked fresh. Yeah, it's a super cool story. Were there a lot of mushrooms around? No, uh, I, we were look. We were looking. Yeah, I told them to look for fairy for we fairy looking. circles as soon as we started looking in the area, but we didn't. We didn't see any. We stayed long enough to confirm there at least weren't any. Probably within fifty feet of there, but after that, that's when I'm like, mm. we we probably want to scoot. Do Do you guys think that there is something to this idea that fairies are responsible for people going missing in national parks? What are, What are your guys' thoughts on that? think you have to realize what are fairies you have to really think about that first because you know fairies aren't necessarily the little pixie winged flying creatures that you see in disney and so if you think about what are fairies are they interdimensional are they spiritual are they actual um i don't want to say human but beings tactile beings humanoids what are they and so when you think about it, like if you think, well, they're interdimensional, well, then I think that maybe it has something to do with it. Um, it's interesting that lore, fairy lore is throughout many cultures all around the world and they overlap in what fairies are and what they do. So it's kind of hard to say, no, that's not really real. I think it, you know, there's a possibility it could be real and a possibility that it could be very dangerous. When you compare fairy lore with those that go missing, it's astonishing how closely it matches. I don't yeah, know if sorry, I don't know if you guys know this, but um, are you familiar with witch hunter manuals? No. No, please okay. share. After yes. the Malleus Maleficarum came out, it first came out in Germany, but then it got a lot of reprints and spread throughout Europe. After that, a lot of other people started um, basically producing witch hunter manuals more localized to specific countries, England, Spain, things like that. And in a lot of the early witch hunter manuals, when they're going over what is a demon and what is not, um, a lot of 
fairies at that point are listed as demons. I don't know if it's one of the earlier citations in Written Word of Oberon, but I know Oberon is specifically cited in many of the early um, Witch Hunter manuals. Not not in the Malleus Malficarum, but in the ones that came after that. I would also uh, like to point out that we are not endorsing anything that came out during the Malleus Malficarum oh, no, or no, Witch no. Burning, just so you Go guys back know. and look at our episode on the Malleus Malficarum. It is it is foul. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not supporting their views. Just yeah. want to throw out a tidbit. But... Eric, you said something about uh, that. You that you said that, it, that that some of the disappearances stack up with fairy encounters. T- say, talk a little bit more about that. So, if you look at fairy lore, and uh, let's let's just let's just t- talk about a book in particular. So, there's a book called "The Fairy Faith in Celtic Countries." It's by an author by the name of uh, W. Y. Evans Wentz. Mm-hmm. And uh, this book is a very popular book when it comes to to fairy culture, fairy folklore, and just some of the things like people disappearing late in the evening, people disappearing near boulder fields, people disappearing near berry bushes. Uh, all of these things have direct folklore that's associated with them. That's re- that's recordable and is related to fairies, like missing clothes. Just mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and this book wasn't written in modern days. I mean, it was written in 1910. Mm-hmm. And so it really had no association with 411 cases. It's almost like we as a modern society can't say there are fairies. So we've got to say uh, we don't know why they're gone. They're missing. Just 411, you know. I definitely agree with you there. I think a lot of people that talk about the missing 411 phenomenon are not necessarily uh educated on fairy lore to see some of the connections that like you guys, that, that you get, that you guys are talking about in there. And I think that's why you see that like, Oh no, no, sort of shrug. Do you think less people would go missing if everyone carried around a little baggie of freshly shined coins in their pocket <laughs> and a Tinkerbell? Yep. Marcus is over there giving me a look because he makes fun of me to no end about this. I'm just saying, man, if people really start getting into this kit, uh, cryptocurrency fad, this is spelling some pretty bad news or people. Dude, you can get a bag of pennies. We're gonna, we're gonna throw cryptocurrency, like we can throw like like dog coin at at the, we can just throw your phone. I think less people would go missing if they went together in groups. I think Don't that's give a me that big, look. A big part of it. I mean, if you're gonna be easy for fairies to come get you, you know, you got to be separate from your group. You can't be together. Marcus like is. Marcus I hear is you gotta carry look. iron. Is that a carry iron? I like yep. that idea too. Carry iron of some sort. So shiny iron, I, you guys heard it here, carry a gun. <laughs> like, I'm not saying shoot him. I mean, throw that into the hole and just be like, here you go. <laughs> like, here you go. Now they're, now they're, and then they're going to be armed. Oh, they're going to be, they're going to be pissed if you throw iron into a girl. Though. That's, that's going to get them to chase you. That, if they weren't yeah, mad at you already. And then, sh- and then shoot you. I don't know if you guys have heard of the phenomenon. We came across this while researching this. And it's where people that are in a line, the last person goes missing. Yes. Heard about that? Yeah. So maybe it doesn't work to go in groups. We're not in a line. Well, (laughs) not being at the end of the line. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's the buddy system. That's what that's what that's what we need. Not single file. He, he's just mad at me because if I think something paranormal is going on, I'm going to chase it. And if someone doesn't keep up with me, that I can go it alone during that. No, moment. I'm he just worried. so mad at me about that. I'm just worried you're not going to ring your emergency bell. Like if <laughs> something not, happens, and nobody's going to be able to find you in the a, woods. It's just a tiny little bell that hangs off my keychain. It's not an emergency bell. <laughs> it's, it's like a rape whistle for fairies. It's not. It really is. Oh my god. That he was wearing. I'm just I can't make this up. It was more to make Ellie feel safe. Oh like, my well, god. Seriously, you. what else can you do? I mean, I know, it's not like you're gonna have true. a cell phone and well, you're not gonna call someone. Well, I, I think you're right. I think people people have often, you know, especially if you're like you're by yourself, there's a feeling of powerlessness, I think, for some people that aren't very, you know, adept in the woods. Like if they get lost, they get disoriented or just something like that happens. So sure, absolutely, absolutely. Are you guys familiar with the cons- uh, the idea of being pixie led? Yes, a little bit. Okay, good, good. Because I, I I say it a lot. I wanted to make sure that you guys were familiar with it. It's something that I find really fascinating. Is that the confusion that's associated with uh, coming near fairies or other types of? Yeah, or types? some uh, old English tales uh, will say like if you are suddenly confused in a familiar place, or if you're in one acre of wood but somehow can't find your way out, that means a pixie has made you pixie-led? What I've about... also heard that oh, if they call you and you're following them, but you don't want to be following them, that can also be pixie-led too. It's yep. like a siren-type call going on. And I wonder, actually, I was just thinking about it, You know, what kind of power maybe a faith would have with this too in these situations. I'm not sure. Well, there's so many stories about... The Fae and Jesus. Like, there's a ton of stories on that. Like, uh, there's one we are going over a while ago where um, this was a story from Ireland. I don't remember the province, but um, two priests were riding on the middle of the night to go see a um, man who's dying. And they're traveling through a woods where it's known that Fae live. Uh, a man stops out of the road with a green uh, cloak on and says, uh, basically, when you get to the dead man, ask what will happen to the good folk when Jesus comes back? Mm-hmm. And so they go back and they ask the guy and he kind of sits up in bed and says, if one drop of blood is found in the good folk, the good folk will find salvation. Hmm. So they're writing back now and uh, the fairy stops them again. And he asks, what did you learn? And they basically tell him and he takes a knife and draws it across his arm. And only this greenish gray sap comes out. And basically says, since we will not have salvation, we'll always be the enemy of humans. And not to ride through this woods again. That's interesting. You know, in a lot of the old Fae stories, green, the color green represents the Fae. And a mm-hmm. lot of people from the you know old days or whatever, they, they knew that. They knew when someone said, you know, someone's coming along with a green cloak or wearing a green hat or something like that, that it's going to mean a fairy. I actually read a, 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 about an encounter where... There was a man and he was going fishing out in the woods by himself and he came across the fae. Apparently there are different types of fae and this type of fae was known as the gentry where they were the same size as as people, but very beautiful and knowledgeable and could live forever. And one of them came up to him and, you know, kind of warned him that some of the other fairies wanted to take him. And so he probably needed to get away from this area. But in also talking to him, he explained that his 
mother was going to die and you know in the next 11 months and he needed to go back home which is why they're sparing him to go see his mother but he needed to make sure that his mother had been baptized before she died and you know sure enough you know he went back and you know within that time period his his mother had died but i thought it really interesting that the the fae would really care that the mother had been baptized there's a lot of interesting interactions between Fae and Christianity, but uh, one of my favorite forms of Fae disappearance, are you familiar with uh, refing? Uh-uh. Okay. I found three different accounts in Ireland of people attesting that this had personally happened to them, but apparently the Fae like to play uh, curling, or hurling, hurling. I really hope that it's not curling. Is what they no, it's, it's not curling. It's hurling. It's hurling. I had to think. Of, I had to think back to the story of Ku Cullen, and I'm like, wait, what sport did he play? I'm like, oh yeah, hurling, hurling. But they like to play hurling, and often they don't believe they don't trust each other to be fair refs. Mm-hmm. So if you're traveling down a road at night, you may get grabbed by the fae and asked to ref the game. Hmm. But if you're not very clever, the losing team will kill you. So you have to find a way to the only way to come back from these situations is to find a game, a way to make it a tie and make sure everyone's okay with being, it being a tie. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I thought that was like my favorite form of fairy disappearances. I thought you were going to talk about like the time that like the story from, it's like from the UK where the fame moved to church. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) like allegedly like one God, oh, it. yeah, uh, I'm trying to remember the story. It was, oh God, was it in, I, I think it was in Ulster, maybe, where um, a church was built on top of a brownies barrow. And it was either brownies or spriggans, I think. I can't recall. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I heard about this one, yeah. Yeah, and uh, in the middle of the night, they uh, moved the whole church stone by stone over to the next hill over. Like, not going to happen. Nope. Just moving them over. There's so many stories about, like, and this is almost a global occurrence, about there being this other folk. And there being a conflict with humanity and humanity driving them underground. And that seems to be a commonality in the face stories about everywhere. Mm. So do you guys think that the, do you guys think that the disappearances for missing 401 are just like, is it Faye? Is it a part of it? Is it the whole thing? Do people just not know? Like what's your guys' thoughts on like, what's your guys' overall thoughts on it? Just connected like with the national park system. The logical part of my brain wants to say that it's just people making dumb mistakes in the woods. Mm-hmm. But then there's the paranormal part of my brain that says, you know what? There's a lot of history. There's a lot of folklore that has to do with Fae or other types of cryptids that could potentially be involved in this. Dude, we've talked about Fae like this whole time instead of cryptids. <laughs> I know. I think it's a combination of a lot of things because, you know, when you're in the woods and you're by yourself, I mean, a bear could take you out or a cougar. I mean, I've, I've been hiking before and seen a cougar. It's there's a lot of things that could take you out, but I don't think that we should discount that part of them could be fey related, especially since we have these similarities between the, the old folk tales and people missing. It's, it's like uncanny how they kind of follow these, like, okay, they're going to go away right at dusk, you know, or something like that. There's just, these overlaps that make it seem that way. Yeah. You were talking about being pixie led and you know, that's a major thing within this missing 411 stuff. People that are found typically are very confused and they find that they've been walking around in circles and they don't know where they're at. And they seem like they're potentially, like you've said, pixie led. 
and it could be several days, it could be several hours, and they're just in this overwhelming state of confusion. They have a time loss too. Mm-hmm. First, I got to say, it's super cool that you've seen a cougar. I've taught survival for years and years. Like when I was in college, I paid my way through college by working, sur- teaching survival during the summers. And I've never seen a cougar. I've seen <laughs> I've seen all sorts of bears. I've seen bald eagles. I saw lynx in an area that lynxes weren't supposed to be. I saw a bobcat, but I've never seen a cougar. And that is so freaking cool. Well, I saw it and it and it was it was hiding in the brush like like. It was, it wasn't like it was going to pounce, but it was just kind of just watching. And I just looked over and I thought, that's a big cat. Were you scared or were you cool? I was, my brain didn't register to be scared. I was just like, what is that? That's a huge cat. And then it disappeared into the brush. I mean, like I could, I saw it there one second and then it just moving just a, a little bit. It had like been camouflaged and disappeared and I couldn't find it anymore. And so I really wasn't that scared until I started thinking about it. <laughs> then I started to get scared. And my cousin was, she was probably maybe about, I don't know, 50 yards behind me and she was coming up and, and I, and, and then I was just like, well, we got to go, we got to get out of here. <laughs> no, I, I know what you mean. I've been in that situation where I'm like, is that a bear? Oh my God, I'm seeing a bear. And then yeah. afterwards it's like, oh shit, that was a bear. <laughs> <laughs> Bears are so huge. We saw a bear when we were in Smoky Mountain National Park and we were just hiking and you could not see it. Until it crossed in front of you. Oh man! And I, then it just disappeared. I, I, me and my wife also saw uh, a bears on our honeymoon. Well, so, sorry, let me phrase that. We were driving up in through like one of those trails that you drive through, but mm-hmm. she had bought this tiny bear squeaky toy, and she <laughs> wanted to see bears, so she rolled down the window and started. Making like squeezing it, so it was making like distressing dude, small dude, bear sounds. Do you know what that is? I about. What do you know? What that is uh, that's, that's a way that's, to die. No, that's, that's called what a, that is. Have you ever? Have you guys a ever heard trap. of apotropaic magic? No. Okay, it's a medieval concept of either a like attracts like or like repels like, and mm-hmm. it's why one of the reasons that you would put gargoyles on churches so that the like would repel like or distract it. Um, but no, that is straight up <laughs> like apotropaic magic. There, there's, there's 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 also a really old uh, account from back in the day. Where that's how you get eaten by a bear. <laughs> 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 like by making it sound like you've got their kid, their cubs. And I about left her on the mountain. <laughs> we came across a couple cubs once when we were driving. Um, when was that? Like about three oh, years, years ago. Oh, yeah. And people were stopping by the side of the road to take pictures of these cubs. And I'm sitting thinking, if that's there's the cubs, dumbest. oh my god, there's a mama bear. Let's not stop the cars. And get out and look at these cubs. Let's just keep going because that was that was frightening. Oh my that god! Once again, so jelly because I've never seen bear cubs before. <laughs> that bear experience taught me one very important thing. We did not see that bear when it was coming to the trail. Yeah, we saw that bear as it crossed the trail, and we did not see that bear once it went off the trail. Yeah. So you cannot tell me that something like a sasquatch cannot exist. I know. In the woods. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had a stinking bear walk out on me and I didn't see it before or after. Yeah. Yeah, there's researchers that work in India and like tracking leopard um, or large cat populations. And one of the things that they'll often say is we found elephant trails. We uh, we know they're out there. We've heard them. We've never actually laid eyes on them in the 15 years we've been out here. And but now, we know they're here. And now you guys can hear like when Vic's talking about stuff like, oh, man, 
I've never. Oh, that's really cool. I've never seen bear cubs or bobcats or bears. I've and seen stuff. bobcats, and it's so fascinating. And now you know why he has to wear his emergency <laughs> bell every time he goes <laughs> into the woods. I've seen bobcats. <laughs> I had to track that bobcat for two days to see it. I really wanted to see that bobcat. <laughs> Again, now you know why he has to have the emergency bell. <laughs> I can oh confirm God. your elephant story. My, I work with a guy that lived uh, in Africa for several years. He uh, worked uh, doing some church missionary stuff over there. And uh, he said he used to take people out on expeditions and he would be pointing out elephants. They're there. There's one there. There's one there. And no one else would see them. They're, they're huge, huge creatures, but no one else could see them. That is definitely true. To spot an animal in its natural habitat, you you kind of have to be you have to train your eyes to spot them. Like I can usually pick up most animals in the woods around me, but that wasn't always true. That's only because my dad would drag me out in the woods all the time <laughs> just to train my eyes to spot these sort of things. Because if not, they're blending in with the natural environment. You're just not going to see them. Were you sick the day whenever he, the lesson for like not walking up to bear cubs in the woods? My like, dad instilled a lot of confidence in me in the woods. Were you just sick that day? Um, okay. We also, as human beings, we're kind of gullible. Uh, there's oh, this know. other podcast that I listen to called The Storage Papers. You guys may or may not heard of that, but the very first episode of that show is called Baby Cries. And it's a story, it's an audio drama, so it's a fictional story, but it's a story uh, of a guy who is out running in the woods and he all of a sudden starts hearing baby crying. And he's drawn to it because he's, you know, as a human being, he wants to go and he wants to check out, you know, find out why this baby is crying in the woods. I, I think I know what's about to happen. This is probably going to go bad. And as, he, <laughs> he, as he's going through the woods, he's getting closer and closer to a cave. And as he walks into the cave, he can start seeing human remains and other things like that laying there. And obviously, he comes in contact with a creature. It's, I'm not going to spoil the story in case someone wants to go listen to it. But uh, he's then chased through the woods by this creature. And this creature's distress call, call is a baby crying. And this, and it's just, it's just kind of creepy because, you know, as a human being, if I'm walking through the woods and I hear a baby crying, that's something I instinctively want to go check out, right? Oh yeah, I, I don't want I don't want to be mean. So are you are you saying right now you're advocating for don't investigating distressing sounds in the woods, guys? <laughs> Just saying <laughs> that we're gullible enough that we're going to go investigate yeah. a distressing. That's sound actually like that. a very common thing in fairy tales, as you hear oh, yeah. a baby oh, yeah. crying, or you hear someone that you know and you hear their voice, and it's a perfect mimic, and it's just a common thing because. You know, honestly, if I hear my child say, mom, you know, I'm going to turn around and go, you know, even if I know they're not there, I'm still going to be like, oh, wait, did they sneak in the car or that, you know, I'm going to try to figure out how they got there. I, I think the, me I think the message is investigate it, but be wary because it could be something else. Screw them kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's apparently keep your, keep your bell on. You know, yes. Yeah, keep keep, keep the, the bell. bell. There, now yes. you agree. The bell's yes, a good idea. Just, no, it's a good idea for you. Cause I, <laughs> I'm not going to get caught by this stuff in the woods. It's not going to fall for me, like listening to distressing baby crying sounds in the woods or <laughs> cries for they help. They, I'm probably too old. They're not going to want me. But, you know, it, what what makes someone fairy, you know, makes fairies want to capture them? You know, we it's interesting. We were reading up on the stuff. And a lot of times it's people who have like blonde hair. 
It's like, hmm, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Blue eyes, dramatic, uh, dramatic ascendant shift. Yeah, young. I don't know why they would be interested in those types of things, but that uh, fairy folklore says that they're they're certainly interested in in those types of features for some reason. My only guess would be in the book of invasions when they're talking about the Tuatha de Dunan, uh, which eventually becomes the legend of the fairies way later. Um, they're always described as being fair haired and even like um, a Bresk, who was only like half Tuatha de Dunan. They still talk about him having this very special fair hair. So mm. I got to ask, is there a book you haven't read? There's oh, tons, God. tons, tons. How to jump a car. That's for what? Like how to jumpstart a car. That's a book he hasn't read. The, the, the owner's manual for his car. That's one. I can tell you that for sure. Sorry. I just, I read a lot of folklore. Harry sounds like. He's just saying Harry really can. smart stuff just to make himself I'm, sound smarter. I'm not, I'm not smart. I just read a lot. That's just, he's just spouting that off. Don't I'm sorry, guys. That's all. Oh, it's awesome. I like listening to it because it's it's interesting to me. Yeah. It's interesting that people have enough information to write about this stuff. Oh yeah. I so you know, we're we're get, we're getting towards the main part of the bulk part. So I wanna I wanna start getting wrapping up people's fi- final thoughts on the Fed. Because I truthfully when we had set this when we set this up, we were talking all about like fairies and we were this was gonna be fairies and cryptids, and we went the entire time talking about fairies, which is awesome. So we may end up either continuing that or branching into cryptids in the Pillow Talk segment of the podcast. But uh, Vic, what's your thoughts on uh, Missing 401 and the, and the fake connection? Like, Okay. Uh, my general thought on folklore in general is these are the survival tips our ancestors have left us. I don't think folklore is verbatim truth, but I think it holds messages for us. I think that whatever we have assigned to being fey in like modern culture... This is a description of an entity our ancestors have encountered and has left us messages about. And it's important to heed those messages because, I mean, it matches up pretty well. Like that That's kind of my general thought is it, it's kind of important to heed these old lessons. I, uh, I'm, I'm going to do mine, then I'll, we'll get your guys' thoughts on it. For me, I, I think the missing 401 phenomenon is people forgetting those lessons. I think that is what is going on with the missing 401 phenomenon where people are talking about their, they're, they're accounting all these similarities. They're describing all these things that are happening and people forgetting like what Vic was talking about. In that. And I think that's what we're seeing with the missing 401 phenomenon is we're seeing a return to that lore. I think we're seeing return to that legends, return to those kinds of experiences with people. And so I, I think if people, would pay more pay more attention to that kind of folklore and that kind of legends that they would start seeing those similarities again. But what what's your guys' thoughts on missing four one Faye? Just any, any anything that you guys want to talk about? Well, I agree with both of you actually. So I agree that there is a lot of truth to folklore. I think that uh, as we've investigated folklore across our podcast, we've always found what we've thought were at least branches of truth in in most of it. So yeah, I think that uh, there probably are things out there like fairies. I think that there are things out there like cryptids. I think that there are things out there like giant birds that could potentially sweep. <laughs> I, I, I told you we Sorry. should talk about thunderbirds, but he didn't want to. <laughs> I think that uh, you know, I think the missing four one one phenomenon is real. Uh, can it be completely contributed to? fairies or cryptids or other types of folklore absolutely not 
But when you study these types of folklores and you look at the similarities, it's uncanny. There is so many things in fairy folklore that show up in the missing 411 phenomenon. You know, why do people, why are, why are people's shoes, you know, found just on the ground and no body? Or next to why some are water. There, why are their clothes neatly folded up next to a lake or a river? You know, wh- these things are, are all part of fairy folklore if you delve into fairy folklore. So I would never sit here and say that, you know, oh, this is absolutely fairies, you know, or cryptids or other types of beings or other, but I think that it's a combination of things. And I think the combination is poor judgment in humans, naivety, uh, being in the wrong place at the wrong time, probably encounters with animals or other types of natural uh, phenomenon. I think it's also partly going to be encounters with these types of entities as well. Why have fairy tales? Why have them in the first place? It is for parents to instruct their children or, you know, grandparents to instruct their grandchildren. And a lot of times it's so weird that for some reason in our, you know, 21st century, we think that, oh, these are just myths and legends. Whereas for, you know, thousands and thousands of years, they were actually taken seriously. Um, Now we're like, oh, well, it's just to keep people away from the woods so they don't get lost or they don't get eaten by a bear or something. But for, you know, thousands and thousands of years, millennia, people were being told these stories handed down from not just in Europe, all over the world. And they had the same similarities, you know, don't go in the woods by yourself at night. You know, someone's going to try to kidnap you. And so there's got to be some merit to these things. And I think it's kind of funny when we just, you know, think, oh, well, it's just a fairy tale. It's Disney. It's nothing real. Um, So I think that there is some, like everyone has said here, there's some truth. Getting to that truth, that's that's the question there. We contribute a lot of this to fairies. But I mean, in in truth, there's a lot of these different types of creatures that probably uh, do have some form of existence. Even then, we when we did this episode, we focused mostly on the Native American uh, aspect of it, and there are creatures like puckwudgies. Are you guys familiar with them? Oh yeah, yeah. So puckwudgies, you know, are part of Native American lore. And if you live in Massachusetts or if you live in Indiana, you know, there's there's potentials to have encounters with puckwudgies, and these creatures, just like fairies, are known to cause problems for humans they uh they can make you confused and kidnap they can kidnap you they can kill you and they can push you off of a cliff so there's lots of different types of these creatures Mm. that sasquatch and dogmen and trolls and goblins and you know gigantic things there are so many things that i don't know are they combined are they the same thing or are they separate i don't know oh ellie like um her family comes from the cherokee reservation in chattanooga so every bush on my property and under every tree on my property, there's this little clay doll with like some little fabric dresses and stuff on it. Uh, just kind of laid around the property because that's what her grandma taught her would keep the like little, little people of the woods away from, uh, from messing with your house. And yep. I think that GK Chesterton said it best when he said fairy tales are more than true, not just because 
they tell us dragons exist, but because they tell us that dragons can be beaten. Oh yeah. Oh and yeah. I, and I, and I, and I think, yeah. And I think there's a lot of truth in that statement when it comes to the missing four on one phenomenon. And we've been talking about fairies with this. So I really want to thank you guys so much for coming on, oh, yeah. on to the podcast today. Cause we're about to slip into our pillow talk segment, but this uh, has been so much fun. Oh, absolutely. You guys were top notch. We, we, we absolutely knew that we wanted to bring you guys in when we, when we did this discussion on fairies and missing four one one. So, uh, the, the podcast is Prairie Land Paranormal Podcast. Where could everybody find you guys? We are on all major podcast players. You can find us uh, on any of your, your favorite uh, listening devices. Uh, we also have our own pod. Uh, sorry, we also have our own website, which is uh, www.prairielandparanormalpodcast.com. And uh, you can check out our episodes there. Uh, we have a blog there. We're on Facebook, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, mm-hmm. YouTube, uh, just about anywhere where you consume podcasts, you can find our show. I would also like, this is definitely a plug for you guys, by the way. You guys have the coolest website, by the way, of any uh, paranormal podcast that I've seen, oh, by thank the way. You. I am not making that up, by the way. The coolest looking, um, just fun to navigate. I highly recommend people checking out your guys' podcast. I just, just looking at it. I'm going to, all of this information is going to be in the show notes so that I, I highly recommend people. I kind of feel like I'm going to find some good articles on fairy folklore. Yeah, there. Like I, you, people should absolutely go check out Perl- uh, you guys, Perlin paranormal podcast. And it's absolutely uh, just top notch gold standard from us guys. We uh, have an episode similar to this one. Uh, I can't tell you what number it is, but it's little folks of the woods. And uh, it uh, talks a lot about uh, fairy folklore as related to North America and native American history. That's neat. Put your uh, people listening, man. Put your guys' thoughts in the comments below on this. Do you guys think that the missing four one phenomenon is a connection with fairies? Do you guys think that um, that it that it doesn't match up enough? Do you guys think it's a smaller piece to a much bigger thing? We want to let you guys know. Put that in the comments below. Uh, if you guys are listening to this, that means uh, please give us a like, subscribe to us wherever you guys are listening to this. Give us a review. We super appreciate that. Let us know what you guys thought uh, of Prairie Lone Paranormal. If you guys like to have it back, please let us know. Probably will. <laughs> I can, I can, I can just feel it, but appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're gonna yeah. have you back. But, uh, but don't want to work because we're gonna keep you guys talking here in the pillow talk segment. But until next time, guys, keep believing because we'll keep listening. All right, guys, we're gonna slide into the pillow talk segment of our podcast. If you want to check out the rest of this awesome podcast, all you gotta do is go over to our Patreon and sign up. For as little as a dollar a month, you get all the rest of this episode, as well as all of the extended parts of all of our podcasts, as well as bonus episodes that we put up exclusively for our patrons, uh, such as our stuff on with awesome uh, episodes such as Valiant Thor uh, the and The Crawler, which is our most recent one that we put up. And truthfully, we may end up doing another one. I'm missing for one because there's more to do. And I want to do uh, a patron video on the Loggenfell Worm. Okay, but before we get any further, by the way, I'm going to tell Prairie Land Paranormal, you guys just unlocked an achievement because we went this entire episode not talking about the alcohol that we were drinking. <laughs> so, cheers to y'all. I So, we're going to have to do this like, wait, like an hour later as we've been talking, <laughs> by the way. But for this episode, we've been drinking, uh, me and Vic have been drinking Quaffon Peanut Butter Busted Knuckle. We've Ooh, had this one before, but it's really you good. You say that, but I don't remember it. We definitely have. Mm. Does it have a peanut butter flavor to it? Of it does. does. It does. It's a very smoky, peanut buttery flavor. It's really good. It's like drinking uh, 
Because it tastes like Guinness. Then, like, just eat it. It doesn't spoon. taste like Hang Guinness. Hang on. Not, this let me finish. Not at all taste like Guinness. <laughs> it tastes like if you take a shot of Guinness and then took a bite of, like, a spoonful of peanut butter. It doesn't, guys. It, it does the, not. He's just being wrong. What are you laughing? Oh, my God. <laughs> and the aftertaste is this particular beer. No, guys. The after. Are you serious? <laughs> everyone out there, go try this beer and tell Marcus how it tastes nothing like Guinness. I didn't say it tasted like Guinness. I said it tasted like the aftertaste if you drank nope, Guinness nope. and a spoonful of peanut butter. Nope. You plebe. I will go get a Guinness and a spoonful of peanut butter and prove you wrong. That's the next episode. Yes. That's what we're doing next episode. A taste yeah, test. Like, do, these, do these taste the same? Well, Does the aftertaste taste it's the same? After, that's what, yeah, it's no, not it's going good. to. I don't know what he's talking about. Well, anyway. Jessica and I don't drink alcohol, but we did go down to our uh, big box uh, beverage store today to see what we could find that might be interesting for the show today. And uh, we picked up some specialty sodas. Ooh, the, uh, which pick up? We picked up, uh, the brand is called Avery's. Uh, apparently, they're out of uh, New Britain, Connecticut. And uh, I picked up something called Monster Mucus. And, uh, I love that. A, uh, strawberry, blueberry soda from their... Uh, totally dis. Uh, it's called. It's a C. It's so disgusting. It's so disgusting. <laughs> I love that. You said bid box beverage. Is that like an actual brand, or are you guys just not wanting to give a shout out to the to have, corporate yeah. America? We have a Fryer store Tux. here called Fryer Tuck. Okay. And, uh, it's a, it's similar to probably other big box beverage stores where it, you, it's all they do is serve. Uh, different types of sodas and liquors and beers and things like okay, that. Okay, we're going to see if we can though, find like, one. Kids cannot come in unless they're accompanied by an adult. Yeah, it's a 21 and over store. I like that. Let's see if we yeah. have one around here because I want to see if we can try this like monster mucus stuff. <laughs> that sounds yeah, really I got, good. I got bug barf, Ooh. which is a kiwi pineapple. I like that. Really good. Very that, citrusy. Yeah. I like that. That sounds up my alley. Yeah, they're both actually very good. Made with real cane sugar and... Uh, very tasty. I couldn't oh. do the blue one. There was a like a molded fruit. It was a fungus. It was, it was fungal a fruit or fungal something fruit like that. Or something like that. I just couldn't make myself. I like how it. I like how fungal fruit was a line, <laughs> but kiwi like hairy fruits okay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if we Bug find bar, them, we can do that, but not fungal fruit. If we find them, I will try the fungal fruit one. Okay, that, that's fine with me. You can eat the fungusy fruit. Like, from the guy who just said, like, I taught survival skills forever. He'll Dude, be like, I'll eat this fruit with I, fungus. I on have it. eaten, <laughs> like, like, every sort of bug native to Indiana that you can eat. I, I'm a pretty adventurous eater. You're just, you're just. Since you, since you eat weird things, I was at a friend of mine's house, and she has, like, some woods behind her house. And it was funny because all I'm thinking is, is there Bigfoot back here or something like that? But, <laughs> oh, but that. She, she showed me this huge mushroom that was like the size of two basketball.